This is Luke, the second chapter, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Pastor? The Averills had their baby, little Hezekiah Jonathan, I believe. That was on Tuesday. Hey, there's Colin. There they are. (laughs) He's a cutie. What a gift. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful that we can be just together this morning. We're thankful for the reality of Christmas. We know it's about you, Jesus. Father, we're sorry when we make it about so many other things or even for just ignoring the reality that we are, um, we are so blessed in all that you've given. 
the great gift, Father, that you have given us in your Son. We're thankful this morning. And I would pray for every man, woman, and child, Lord, who's uh, come here today or watching online right now, that we would be able just to really take a moment, Father, and just look to you to meditate on the reality of just Christmas time and what this is all about. We thank you that you do love us. We thank you, Father, for this time this morning to be able to worship you and to consider your word here this morning. We just pray you bless it now in your name. Amen. So perhaps you've heard of the song by John Anderson entitled Christmas Time. Anybody? Anybody? I love you guys. Who rose their hand? Oh, you, huh? We have one person who likes country music here. Praise God. Anyways, I didn't know if we had a country crowd or not. I had a roommate who liked country a lot a long time ago, and this is the first time I heard it was from him. I think it was back in 96, so the song's been around a little while. But he's got a, a song called Christmas Time. It, sells, it goes like this. Bells are ringing, jing, jing, jingin'. Santa's on his way, bringing toys to girls and boys with him on his sleigh. Snow has fallen, friends are calling, spreading Christmas cheer. It's so nice when Christmas time comes around each year. And isn't it nice? I love Christmas time. Or maybe you guys have seen Charlie Brown and Lucy. How many of you guys know those guys? Yeah, okay. So you've heard their theme song in their Christmas special. It says, Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer, fun for all that children call their favorite time of year. So Christmas time and all the festivities is also a favorite time of year for me. Uh, summertime is not what I envision when I think of Christmas time, especially here in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> um, so what comes to mind? What comes to my mind is tinsel on the trees. I grew up with tinsel on trees and bright red poinsettias, the lights that are strung across the homes. Um, eggnog. I know some people make the fruit cakes. How many of you guys scored some fruit cake already this year? How many are going to score some later today? How many people don't really care for fruit cake? <laughs> Love you guys. So, <laughs> but we also get the meals with all the fixins. We have the boxes that are all wrapped with beautiful paper. And of course, I think of the true reason for Christmas, the Christ in Christmas. So without Jesus, my favorite holiday really would be nothing more than a hollow day. Usually, when we hear the phrase Christmas time, we refer to the season or the season of the year, that duration between Thanksgiving and the year end, okay, New Year's, and all the holidays and the activities that get sandwiched into those five weeks right there. So Christmas time is the term that's used to celebrate the celebration, which really punctuates the end of our yearly calendar. But this Christmas Eve, rather than Christmas time, I want to talk to you guys about Christmas time, okay? So for over... Uh, the years as I've celebrated Christmas, um, I've observed that Christmas really has a strange effect on time. Christmas time creates kind of this time warp. 
It causes a wrinkle in time and impacts our perception of time. When I was younger, believe it or not, I was a child once. Um, when I was younger, it seemed that Christmas uh, couldn't come fast enough, okay? Uh, the days leading up to Christmas morning, they would take forever. I just couldn't wait for it. It couldn't come soon enough. And I'm sure you guys have heard the expression, slow as Christmas. That makes perfect sense in a child's mind who has to wait 364 more days to once again reach that one magical morning when dreams come true and wishes are fulfilled. So time drags on for Christmas as a kid when he's waiting for that morning when he awakes to the avalanche of toys. Not even a tortoise with a limp is as slow as Christmas. You kids know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys have been waiting a long time? Like you're really excited that Christmas is finally here, right? But it's interesting now as an older dude, okay, as an adult having kids myself, Christmas has a whole different effect when it comes to time. Christmas time speeds time up. Time flies by. After Thanksgiving, most of us get sucked into the mad dash. It's a sprint to December 25th finish line. The calendar goes into fast forward. We start decking the halls, decorating the house, purchasing gifts, planning parties, um, and time sales. Not even a jackrabbit, a nose dose, is as fast as Christmas. So, Albert Einstein, how many of you guys know who he is? Right? Crazy hair dude, right? Pretty smart guy. He didn't have to do the math to prove to me that time is relative. All you have to do is look at Christmas time, <laughs> okay? Definitely. So, Christmas, uh, the holidays, unlike any other time of year, it really does tinker with the reality of 24 hour days, seven days a week. So Christmas time does strange things to time. So this morning, I want to look with you guys at what happened during the Bible's account of the first Christmas. And then I want to challenge us not to misuse our time. So the first Christmas began with a motion, and then it slowed with a mention, and it came to a screeching halt in meditation, and finally, it regains speed through magnification. So here's a way to chart Christmas time. At first, there was emotion. Mention slows us. Meditation stops us in our tracks. And finally, magnification gears us back up. So here's a thought for us this morning. Every Christmas needs to begin fast, slow down, stop, and start all over again. So today, we'll learn a lesson in Christmas time management. So from the very first Christmas until today, Christmas time has always begun with a flurry of frantic motion. Always has. That's the picture I get with the, you know, when I picture the streets of Bethlehem that first Christmas. How many of you guys got to go see the streets of Bethlehem this year? Quite a few of you guys. We went with the Rosses, Okay. And I liked it because it kind of brought this into reality. This is probably what it was like that first Christmas 
in Bethlehem. Jews from all over Israel had come to register for the census. Downtown Bethlehem was congested. The local inn, okay, no vacancies. People were angry. There was more pushing and shoving on that first Christmas Eve in Bethlehem than there was on a Black Friday at Walmart. Uh, (laughs) And the later it got, the more desperate shelter became for people to have. So holiday cheer had yet to become part of Christmas. Everyone was looking for their number, really looking out for number one. There were a few unhappy campers in Bethlehem that first Christmas. Trust me, I think the only guy who was smiling was the innkeeper, right? Yeah, we're full. So I want to share with you guys, back in the 1500s, there was a monastery uh, in London. It functioned as a hospital, but over time it was turned into an insane asylum. At one point, city officials charged admission uh, price to allow citizens there in London to come and to heckle the inmates. The Salem of or the Salem of Saint Mary of Bethlehem became a famous tourist attraction. Eventually, the name Saint Mary of Bethlehem was shortened to Bethlehem, and today the word Bedlam refers to the or sorry, it was abbreviated to, then to Bedlam, and we know that Bedlam today refers to the chaos that's associated in in the insane asylums. So linguistically, the words Bedlam and Bethlehem are related as they were on the first Christmas. Just chaos. The lyrics, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. That is a lie, okay? That was a part of the songwriter's imagination. You guys trying to put yourself there in Bethlehem? It was crazy. All these Jews coming for the census. Nowhere to stay. Even Mary, we know the story. Okay, there was no room in the inn. So Bethlehem was being, or again, anything but still on the night that Jesus was born. And it was sheer Bethlehem the first Christmas Eve. And of course, today, you don't have to go to Bethlehem to experience Bedlam. Just take a trip to Walmart or to the Fox River Mall, right? <laughs> go shop and circus. Yeah, I mean, it's a circus. Christmas is still a swirl of motion, turmoil, of chaos. It reminds me of the family that got a late start putting up their Christmas decorations. There was a little bitty boy remembering the nativity scene that went on the mantle. And he asked, Mom! When are we going to put or to set up the activity scene? For many folks, Christmas is more an activity scene than it is an nativity scene. Do you guys know that Christmas time is certainly a stressful time for a lot of people? Very stressful. Do you guys know the average American family spends $801 on Christmas presents? That's a lot of money. And most of it, it's... Uh, for families that don't have that extra spending money to afford. So, you guys have heard of Black Friday, right? Now we have Cyber Monday and Tuesday. Red. (laughs) There's now Red Tuesday, guys. It's the day that many Americans wake up further in debt, okay? Um, And in between all the buying and the charges at Christmas time, what do we do? We eat right? We eat a lot. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, the average American gains five to seven pounds 
Anybody make it to their seven pounds yet? I'm on my way. <laughs> so it's any wonder if you think about it, we have more heart attacks um, in December and January than any other time during the year. And you know what the peak week is? The week between Christmas and New Year's. That's when most heart attacks happen. Um, so for most of us, Christmas is a hurried and a very harried time. Emotional strain, anxiety, loneliness, financial pressures intensify during Christmas time. Did you realize that more nervous breakdowns occur around Christmas holidays than any other time of the year? Do you guys know the hospital St. Elizabeth is full right now? Okay, it's just one of those things. It's crazy. And even for a person that knows Jesus and is trying to keep priorities in check, right? The celebration of Christmas still can be a time full of hustle and bustle. Notice here in verse 8, guys, what Luke says of the shepherds in the fields in Bethlehem. He said, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night. So this is what makes Christmas a very busy time for us, guys. Even believers in Jesus, we're still trying to watch over our flocks, right? That includes neighbors that we want to befriend, co-workers that we want to acknowledge, church friends that we have hoped to help. And certainly our spouse and children are a part of that flock. So there's nothing wrong with giving gifts or tokens of love to members of your flock. But I want you guys to notice verse 9, what happens to the night shift shepherds here who are keeping watch over the flocks. It tells us this, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So these busy shepherds, they get slowed down, don't they? They get slowed down here by this angel's visit and at the mention of who? The Savior. Okay? That's what slowed them down. So here's what happens to, uh, to time at Christmas. It begins with emotion, but then with the mention of the Savior, the reason for the season slows down. And I love the message of the angel here. Take a look. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And if that's not enough to get these shepherds' attention, check out verse 13, okay? The angels, uh, the angel was joined by a multitude of heavenly hosts. So it's not just one angel, this host of heaven, okay? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill towards men. You guys ever have those things as you're studying the scriptures like, man, I wish I could have seen that, been there for that. This is one of those that I wish I could have been there. That would have been so cool on the night that Jesus was born. So those who kept watch over their flocks were now watching God at work. How cool. So they received a message from heaven, the mention of a Savior, and it took their attention off their flocks, right? And slowed them down, and they focused them on the Father in heaven 
and his work among men. So I believe this happens every Christmas to those who have ears to hear. And this morning, do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? You see, God has always, um, or he has ways of visiting us and reminding us of his grace, of his love, okay? And he's the savior of the flock, okay, uh, that we care for, care about. And he has penetrated our darkness with good tidings of great joy and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. So God's Christmas revelations, his still small voice, comes to us through the innocent comments of a child, maybe a word in a sermon, or a line in a Christmas carol. But do you have ears to hear? Are you able to catch them? But when God makes mention of the purpose of his coming, it's time to slow down and think it through. This is where I want you guys to engage. We need to think this through. I believe God looks for ways and moments where he can slow us down and bring Christmas to our hearts. Once a successful businessman, he was speeding to work, okay, in his uh, Christmas present that he bought for himself, a brand new jag. Um, suddenly, a brick came out of nowhere and smashed the side panel of his car. He slammed on his brakes, he jumped out of his car, and he pounced on the kid who was the culprit. And he shouted and he screamed, what do you think you're doing? And the little boy rep replied, sir, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do. I threw a brick because no one else would stop. It's my brother, sir. He's hurt. My brother rolled off the curb and he fell out of his wheelchair into a ditch and I can't lift him up by myself. Sir, will you help me get my brother back into his wheelchair? Well, the businessman picked up the little boy, crippled, this boy's crippled brother, wiped off his wounds, and then sat him back in his wheelchair. And as the man walked back to his new car, tears streamed down his face. The encounter reminded him of Christmas and what Christmas is all about that Jesus loves us in the love of Christ and that we should be loving one another. And it's interesting, this rich man, he never repaired his car. He left the dent uh, in the door panel of his car as a reminder to himself not to go so fast through life, okay, when someone else is in need that they have to throw a brick in order to get attention. You see, Christmas time needs to slow us down, guys needs to slow us down. Christmas start, time starts with a flurry. In the beginning, there's a lot of motion, but then the mention of Jesus and then the meaning of Christmas slows us down. And as we get closer to the manger, we're called to actually stop, meditate, to worship. Managing Christmas is about motion, mention, and meditation. You guys may see in your bulletin, I got a little bitty uh, Family Circus comic there. Bill Keynes, um, the, the comic author, uh, he writes children comics. But here um, we see the children are setting up the nativity say, and we have little Dolly here who holds up baby Jesus and shouts, I love it. Here's the star of Bethlehem. 
I mean, that picture alone, I mean, that is what it's all about, isn't it, guys? And Jesus is the star of the show. Do you guys get that? He is the reason for the season. Jesus is the real star of Bethlehem. So Christmas time begins with emotion and a myriad of activities. Hopefully at some point in time, the mention of the message, the spirit of the season will slow us down and make us think that's when there comes the moment and when we stop. We look past it all and we worship. Christmas time climaxes with the gazing on the star. It's looking at Jesus. December 17th, we're going to jump back to 1903. Orville and Wilbur, right? You're right. Kept the first heavier-than-air flying machine aloft for an amazing 59 seconds. The two brothers, they were ecstatic about it. Uh, they sent a telegram with the news to their sister who was in Dayton, Ohio. The telegram read, first sustained flight today, 59 seconds. Hope to be home by Christmas. The sister too was excited about their invention. So she ran to the newspaper office and handed the telegram to the editor. The next day, the headline read, popular local Bicycle merchants to be home for the holidays. The newspaper editor had missed the point, didn't he? Okay. Yes, the Wright boys would be home for Christmas, but the world had just been introduced to air travel. I mean, that's huge, right? And it happened to the editor. Uh, What happened to this editor is exactly what I think happens to a lot of people during the Christmas. They may experience the motion of Christmas, maybe even hear the mention of Christ. But if you don't stop at the manger and meditate on the star of Christmas, you completely miss the point. And understand, the baby in the manger is a reason for a long and exhaustive and thorough meditation. If ever there was an event worthy to ponder and to probe and to contemplate, it's this. Wouldn't you guys say? It really is this. Christmas generates thoughts so deep that we can never touch the bottom. God in swaddling clothes. I'm like, right there, we could sit and have a sermon just on that point this morning. Really, God? Swaddling clothes? Really? There's depth in that. The infinite constrained in human threads. The voice that spoke light into existence and caused mountains to tremble was reduced to a coo and a cry? Why did the Almighty make himself vulnerable? Why did the man-maker make himself a man? Why did a king become a servant? Why climb down from a throne to be laid in a trough? Why did the God who dwells in inapproachable light appear under the lampshade of humanity? Why was omniscience set aside for innocence? And what does God in the flesh say about God in the world? His desires, his heart, his plans 
for us? You see, these are questions that fuel the imagination of everyone who comes to the manger and gazes at the star of Bethlehem. Jesus prompts meditation. I love Mary's reaction to all that has happened on this first Christmas morning. Look at verse 19 here, guys. It tells us, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Things she was thinking through, meditating on what just happened. You betcha. And she kept those things in her heart. Kept them there. Some of you guys may be here just because it's Christmas Eve. Some of us come to church every week. Why? Because there's much to meditate on. Guys, we'll never exhaust the fullness of who God is, how good he is, how much he loves us. We won't. Even the reality of eternity. Again, we're talking about Christmas time. You know, (laughs) goes quick. We only get a handful of them in our lifetime. Think about the reality of eternity. Okay, we're going to be outside of time and we're going to be there with God forever. And we're never going to even be able to exhaust the greatness of who he is in all of eternity. That's how cool and how deep our God is. And for us who take the time and pause and seek him regularly, we get that. And the more we seek him, the more we see the greatness of who he is. You know, And we're just scratching the surface, aren't we, guys? That's one thing I love teaching scripture. But the longer I'm teaching the word, the less I know I know about him. You just, he gets bigger and greater and grander. That is our God. And he becomes that when you do stop and you look to him. You humble yourself and worship him. So, Mary, she pondered these things and she kept them in her heart. And let me make another observation here about those who stop their activity and meditate at the manger. Their meditation, they find peace and rest. Isn't that awesome? They find peace and rest. We have a world that's looking for peace. They're trying so hard. Okay? We're so busy, so worn out, burnt out. <laughs> Where do we find this? It's in Christ. So Christmas time starts with speed. It slows down when we hear God's message and we take heed and it stops us and it provides the rest that we need. So the motion tires us, the mention, it startles us, but the, medita- the meditation part invig- invigorates us. So we lay our tired selves on the arms of God and the rest uh, in the safety of his strength. Ruth Graham, you guys have heard of Billy Graham? Yeah, he had a daughter, Ruth. She's pretty rad. Um, Anyway, she once penned the following. Listen carefully. God rest you merry gentlemen. And in these pressured days, I too would seek to be so blessed by him who still conveys his merriment along with rest. So I would beg on tired knees, God rest me merry, please. I love that. And God does rest us. There's merriment at the manger. There's recovery at the manger. And there's food for the soul and fresh vision for our life at the manger. And isn't it interesting to think about that Jesus was laid in a stone hue in a trough in this manger? A manger is a place where what? Cows and sheep would come to eat and drink. It holds food and water. 
while the worshipers who stopped at Bethlehem manger and occupy themselves with Jesus also find food for their spirit and water for their soul. There's rest for the weary. That first Christmas Eve was full of labor. Joseph labored to get pregnant Mary from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. The manger was his rest stop. Mary labored in childbirth when she laid the baby in a manger. She finally rested from her labor pains. The shepherds, they spent a long day laboring or keeping watch over their flocks. But when they arrived at the manger, they also found a place of rest. And let me guarantee you, when you come to the Christmas manger and meditate on what it means, you too will find God's peace and rest. As the angel promised, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So the meaning of Christmas breeds peace for the troubled. God has come. Hope has come. I love when baby Jesus grew up. You guys know he's not a baby anymore, right? He grew up. And when he was an adult and able to speak, what did he say? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says, Come to me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon uh, or my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So despite the bedlam of Christmas and the holiday eventually winds down, late on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, the stores close, restaurants lock their doors, business offices take a break. Our hectic lives slow down and time stops. There's a point at every Christmas when time seems to be suspended. Maybe it's at midnight on Christmas Eve after you've assembled the toys or perhaps late Christmas afternoon. The presents have all been opened and the kids are occupied with their new gifts. But there's always a point where some, somewhere life stops and it gets very quiet. This year, when that moment arrives, don't look for something else to do. God wants your heart to pay a visit to the manger and marvel again at the baby. Take time to rest from your labors and meditate on what God has done for you and worship Jesus. We're not told how long the shepherd stopped at the manger. Was it minutes? Was it hours? All night? Or even a day or so? We don't know. We can only speculate. But eventually, the shepherds moved on. Life goes on. Sheep have needs. The shepherds are called to watch their flocks as well as visit the king's manger. The time finally came for the shepherds to resume their sheep duties and their daily responsibilities. Eventually, even Joseph and Mary, they had to move out of the stable. And they left behind the manger, despite the wonder of that night. The sun came up the next morning, and the next, 
and the next, and life goes on. It's ironic, even your baby is the son of God and gets announced by angels, right? Once he's born, there's still diapers to change and feedings to administer. So even the son of God cried when he was hungry and he got a diaper rash if he wasn't changed regularly. For Mary and Joseph, Christmas was this amazing blend of the miraculous and the supernatural butted right up against the mundane in the ordinary, everyday life. Okay? And that's why Christmas time in the the Christian life plays out for all of us. The worship leader who sings with the angels and ushers us into the heavenlies has, uh, has to wake up this week and get back to work. This is what happened that first Christmas. Everyone at the manger who is privy to a miracle eventually has to leave and get back to regular responsibilities. But no one who visited the manger was ever the same. Let me say that again. Those who who visited the manger were never the same. The baby in the manger left a permanent mark on those who had come to meditate on him. I imagine the shepherds remained shepherds, but they were shepherds with a new mission. Not only did they keep the sheep, but they proclaimed the divine news. Realize the test to see if you're truly been in the Christmas spirit. Is there lingering aftertaste? (laughs) Is it still there a week from now, a month from now? Six months from now. Do the Christmas truths carry on in your heart throughout winter, spring, summer, and fall? Or do you just forget? Mary could never forget. Ever forget. Again, verse 19, right? Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. But the shepherds, too, were never the same. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned, what? Glorifying in praising God for all the things that they had heard and that they had seen. So Christmas time slowed down with a mention of what God was up to, and it came to a screeching halt and was suspended in a moment of meditation. But its closing act was eruption of praise, witness of magnification. So you come to the manger to ponder, but you leave Christmas time to praise and to proclaim the king. That's what we get to do. So here's how Christmas time should uh, progress for us. At first, the hands of a clock, they spin like a pinwheel in the breeze, right? Going quick. And then the hands start to slow down with the mention of Jesus, right? The meaning of the season. And finally, they should come to a stop. And they should stop us in that place as we meditate and we worship the incarnate King. But eventually you hear a tick-tock, tick-tock, responsibility again. You're needed to tighten a screw on a bike or your family's hungry and all the clamors are going on. (laughs) Responsibility calls you to leave the manger for the kitchen Maybe for the tool shed. Maybe it's back to school. Maybe it's back 
to work the next day. But if you really seen the star, you're never going to be the same. If we managed our Christmas time well, we'll leave the season rested, assured, excited, and renewed. We'll return to our responsibilities, but now with a fresh love, a new hope, and a stronger faith. So, you can't truly leave Christmas manger without praising God for all the things that you've heard and seen. Christmas time, there's a mention, there's a, sorry, there's a motion, there's a mention, a meditation, and ultimately a magnification. So again, in the words of our favorite country singer, John Anderson, it's so nice when Christmas time comes around each year. And my prayer for us this Christmas time, guys, is that we'll make the most of our time, that we won't miss the blessing of the time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. Worship team, you guys can come back up. You guys are familiar with the scripture that talks about us being saved. There was, there was a gift given in Christ. He is the Savior of the world. And we know that gift is grace. It is God's grace for us. And it's obtained by faith, right? There's nothing we can do. It's a faith thing. Do you believe? That's how you can receive the gift. But I want to encourage you guys. The Bible talks a lot about grace upon grace. It's not just a saving faith. There's so much that God is doing and He wants to do in our lives. There's a purpose why each one of us are here. There's a purpose even this morning. What is God doing? And I know it's different for each one of us. There's different things that he's speaking to us, into our lives, into our hearts. And I just want to encourage you guys to receive the gift that God has. Not just salvation, but that grace upon grace. All that he has. I feel like we come so short because we don't take the time to be still before the Lord. That we don't take the time to go to the manger and just meditate. Okay, Lord, I'm going to open your word. I'm going to consider what you've said, what you're doing, who you are. There's so much. So may this new year, guys, just be one where we take that time just to be still and to know that he's God and to receive by faith all that he has. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this time together this morning to worship. Father, in part, we were able to uh, just pause, Lord, to meditate, to look upon you, to consider uh, what it took place 2,000 years ago. Father, the day you were born, God, it would have been so cool to be there. Uh, Father, but I know in truth it's going to be so much cooler when we finally get to see you glorified in heaven face to face. Father, we are thankful for the gifts that you give to us, Lord, freely. And all you ask us to do is to receive them by faith. So I just pray, Lord, for each one of us, God, that we would dig in. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, it's good for us to, to be still and to meditate, to look to you. And I'd even pray, Lord, for the grace needed to do that more for each and one of my brothers and sisters here today. Thank you so much for the Christmas season, Christmas time. I do pray that each and every one of us would find just that unique time that we can really just press into you, to be alone with you, to take that opportunity when things stop. Father, we're thankful that you are alive and on the move. 
that you're doing so much, Lord, in the days in which we live. We thank you, Father, for Christmas. We thank you, Father, just for what you're going to be doing this next year. Help us to keep our eyes upon you. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Love you. Hopefully we'll see you next week. I'd encourage you to be here. We're going to be speaking into a little bit of an emphasis change in what we're going to be doing at Freedom this next year. So it would be good for you to be here. God bless you guys.